0: And we're off. Back again. You're clutching that football pretty tight over
1: there. I know. I carried this over and now it, it was in my office. We did a big office move and I started finding all this cool stuff in my, <laughs> my office. And this was one of my surprises that was in my old like closet upstairs.
2: You never know how much junk you have until you move.
1: Gosh. I thought my move around the rectory. So we did like a whole rectory change and... I went from upstairs to downstairs. All the priests will be upstairs. The new uh, two other priests showing up. And I thought mine was going to be the quickest thing of all time. I was like, I got just a few things. Next thing I know, I did about at least 15 times up and down the stairs.
2: No, that's the truth. <laughs> it's so annoying. <laughs> yeah. And I, I keep purging books, which I hate to purge books, mm. but there are books. I love all of you, but it's probably good if you don't buy me books, because I read books that most people or just would not consider fun.
1: Yeah. And you get books a lot. I've actually, I have seen this, you get books a lot. People want you to read stuff, but you're also very particular about what you read and and not like intellectually, obviously, but also like it's, you know, you're pretty uh, nuanced in what you actually pick. And it's, it's probably rare that someone finds something out there that you're like, yes, I've been dying to read that book. Yeah.
2: It's the truth. I just, I am particular about that.
1: But I do think. So I don't know if you know that. I, I assume you know this. But when this comes out next week, I just want to say you'll be transitioning. I well
2: <laughs> to a different office.
1: That's right. Uh, I want to say congratulations on ten years in the priesthood.
2: Oh, thank you, my friend.
1: Yeah, that's you crazy. You didn't see that it? coming. I did, did you? not see that. That's coming. right. That's I
2: know. Right. Is that crazy? Yeah, Life that's goes awesome. So fast.
1: The, I mean, it's and you know you have to celebrate the big. The big one, oh, it's like one of those milestones. Big one, oh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, no, 10 years a priest, it's it's amazing. Uh,
1: I don't even know has what to it, say. Has it like flown by because so you, yeah, I mean, you've gone, I mean, you would basically say IHM, Our Lady of Lords.
2: That's it, that's my yeah. Of assignments, yeah. So IHM, I was there three years, it's been seven years at Our Lady of Lords now, and I mean, IHM, Immaculate Heart of Mary, my first parish, <clears throat> was uh. It seems like a different lifetime though. Totally. It was like, that was like a different life. And that's back when I was skinny.
1: <laughs> it's, yeah. it's always just funny. Like I didn't know you back then. And every time, you know, you have so many interesting stories and whatnot from, from then it's just like, it all sums up to, I feel like that's like the college. You like you're, you were right? so young.
2: Yeah, I know it's, it's wild. You know, it's crazy thing at mass this Sunday there's a guy named David. I always forget his last name, but he was a student of mine in Focus before I entered seminary. I have not seen him in at least like 15 years. Really? And he showed up at mass and I was walking out the back of mass and he was there with his wife and kids. And, uh, and I was like, oh my gosh, like I know that guy. And sure enough, it's him. And I was like, man, what are you doing here? Like, are you in Denver? He's, and he, was, he said, yeah, we moved to Denver about six years ago.
1: Wow.
3: Uh,
2: but it was just a blast from the past. It was great to see him. Takes me back. You should see photos of me then. Totally. Oh, and one of our people at RCIA last night said, I think it was Carly, said, FB, whenever I see a picture of you from more than three years ago, you look like such a nerd. Oh. I know. Thanks, Carly. <laughs> that's
1: nice. Thanks so much, Carly. <laughs> I, I didn't hear that one. <laughs>
2: I think it was her. That t- maybe it was Bree. But I think it was Carly. Yeah. You know, it was pretty
1: funny. Well, I agree. Um, <laughs> yeah. But in all some seriousness, things, things congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. That's so yeah. exciting.
2: No, praise, thanks be to God, you know, and I uh, want to give a shout out to my brother companion priest. Yeah. And I would want to uh, also thank uh, Mary and Greg Rogers and their family. I, my first assignment I won't go into, it was a very difficult assignment. And in some ways, uh, if it weren't for the companions and the Rogers, I don't think I would have stayed in the priesthood. No. Man, which I never thought I would ever say that, but it's, it's true. Like, yeah. I, I could have been one of those stats that just if I didn't have a couple of really close people to lean on during my first assignment, I don't think I'd still be a
1: priest. Totally. I think it is fascinating. The more I've learned about the seminary, especially knowing some of the guys in there and, um, you know, we're about to get now or soon to be, uh, father Sean. Um,
2: hopefully he won't say that about his first
1: assignment. (laughs) Totally. totally. (laughs) But it is, it's, it's kind of one of those things, you know, what it kind of feels like is when, when you're done playing football or athletics, especially, I would say more like the collegiate level where you're kind of like a big deal, ah, but it wasn't going there. I would, I would say more like you're kind of being spoon fed a lot of the way, like they're trying to, you know, you're going to class, you've got study hall, you've got your meals made for you, like all this kind of stuff. And I see a lot of the same, like you're training to become a priest and, mm-hmm. and enter into that world. Right. But then all of a sudden you really get thrown in the fire of that's like right. now, here we go. Like, that's right. Welcome. And and it's happy syn-
2: birthday to the ground. That's yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah,
1: it's so interesting to me. But in all seriousness, congratulations! I hope people Thanks buy you me. a lot of books <laughs> and get them delivered to the uh, your new office.
2: Yeah. No, I and I don't know how much more else to say. Much more else to say. I'm not articulate today, but I am grateful to God. I am grateful to be a, a priest. It's not always easy, uh, but it is a tremendous grace. And thank you, Jesus. So. Totally. Couple of shout outs. Yep. So I want to. We've got some great emails recently, and over the last however long we've been doing this, a number of you have been so supportive. But um, Angela, I'm going to mispronounce your new last name, but Angela Wistrecil. I'm going to go with that. Uh, but her maiden name is Dini, um, and she was a young adult here in Denver. She got married, moved out of town, and she has been listening to podcasts and just a really sweet girl. We were we were never like really close together, but we ran in a lot of the same circles and, uh, she's been listening. She's going to start her own podcast. So, uh, she's going to talk about wonder and beauty on her podcast, nice. which is exciting. And then I want to give a shout out to Jack Brustkern. His family are prisoners of Lords. And I think he's, he's college aged, but he's been listening. He just sent a nice kind of encouraging. He's like, Patrick and FB, you guys are doing great. So Jack, thanks for listening. Uh, and all of you out there, I want to encourage you to tell your friends about us. Uh, We appreciate your support and we hope more than anything, not about us, but just, we want to help people know Jesus Christ. Yeah. And we want people to understand what the Catholic faith is and what it's not and dispel a lot of the stereotypes out there, but help people to understand the fullness of the Christian faith uh, really is found in the Catholic church.
1: Totally. Um, I'm going to give my shout out to Alex Wassinger. It was his birthday uh, yesterday. And so, uh, happy birthday, Alex! Happy birthday to, to you. you! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna go there. That will be mine. And also, I'll throw in another one. Uh, it's the cutest thing of all time. Steph's uh, little cousin. I think that's how it works. But Dominic Mattione, uh, thats a name for you, right? It is. I love Dominic it. I, it is like that yeah. is so rad to me.
2: He's gonna be the cool kid at his high
1: school. Oh, already is. Yeah. And and I feel so honored. He has an assignment. Uh, I think he's a junior in high school, something like that. Oh, so he is in high school. He is in high school, yeah. Okay. Um, total stud. And he randomly reached out to me and chose me for his class assignment as like an unsung hero. That's awesome. It was so cool. And it was like the most fun. He, he really was kind of diving into just more like the mental health stuff and the podcast that we do. And like, just it was really flattering um, and really cool to have him Reach out. And I love that guy. I love their whole family. They're the best. But um, yeah, those are my two. Awesome.
2: Well, folks, today, what we want to do <clears throat> within the theme of those emails, we had one email from a young woman who uh, I spent a little bit of time with. She is a, I think, a junior, she said, at Baylor. So Haley West wrote us and just had some great questions, yeah. and they're common questions. And there's a lot of misconceptions out there.
3: Oh.
1: It's actually, I mean, it's funny. Her questions, we had an event last night. And Brain. both questions got brought up just randomly by other people. And so when we got in today, it was like, okay, this is a no brainer. It For some reason, keeps showing up for us.
2: Right. Yeah. And so she, uh, Haley kind of wrote in and said, she, so she's not a Catholic and she's working right now, which I love this. She's wrestling with like, what does it mean to be a Christian? How do I discover what I believe about Jesus? Uh, how do I dive into this and kind of uh, sift through the different Ideas people have about what it means to be a Christian, which I just want to shout out. That is an admirable thing to do. Yeah. I think I think the more common thing that all of us are probably tempted to is to say, wow, this is overwhelming. There's a lot out there. And so I'm just going to absolve myself of the responsibility of seeking God. Yeah. And so Haley, that's, I'm just proud of you that you're doing that. I think that um, takes courage and maturity. And so very cool thing. We hope we can help today talking a little about mama Mary. That's
1: right. She's a good mom. Good old mama bear.
2: Good old mama bear. She, uh, ah, I just love Mary and we hope we can help answer some of that. And then she so she wrote a little bit about how do we understand Mary? Why? What are Catholic devotionals to Mary? How can Mary be without sin? And doesn't that make her somehow, I think the way you worded it, Haley was something about something like on the, on the level of almost a God, which is not what the Catholic church teaches. But we'll get to that. And a lot of a common way Protestants ask this question is they will quote Paul in Romans and they'll say, uh, it's Romans 3, uh, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And they'll emphasize that word, all. Hasn't everyone fallen, everyone sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? And so how can you say Mary hasn't sinned? And if she she didn't sin, doesn't that mean she doesn't need Jesus to be her savior? I hope to answer those. And if we have time, she also asked about baptism of infants. Yep. Which is also really, if we don't get to that today, we will get to that because that's a very important question and one worth wrestling
1: with. She had an interesting way of putting that one too where it was like, a, it's a double...
2: Double saved because basically saved. she was that's saying... Right. Yeah,
1: that's right. And and, I, and it's a good I insight. I like the wording of that, yeah. Double saved? Yeah.
2: Do you want me to call you that now?
3: <laughs> Please.
1: My new or name. Just,
2: what's that Oreo, the double stuff? Yeah. Remember double, double, double stuff Oreos? Right. Double yeah. save Oreos. <laughs> that's a weird... Patrick the double save Oreo. I love it. Actually,
1: I actually would just prefer double stuffed. Um,
2: I feel double stuffed. Uh, totally. Yeah. Hashtag pre-spot.
1: <laughs> slow and inevitable li- the slide. Slow
2: but inevitable slide yep.
1: into irrelevancy
2: and obesity. What was it like for you? So let me ask this. So, you, as you've talked about on the podcast, you have such a great relationship with your mom, and her passing was so tragic. But I'm just curious, Like, but you also came from this evangelical world, but your mom was a Catholic. What Mary for you, like when you went through RCIA, my sense is that Mary was not as big of an issue for you, but I don't know.
1: You know, it's kind of funny. Again, I I came to faith after my mom had passed, like truly in that like true sense of the word in my relationship uh, with Jesus. But Growing up, I, I was always, my mom always had like prayer cards around, Yeah, you know, I mean, she was born and raised Catholic and yep. in, in a very devout family. Um, so it wasn't, but I never really knew what they were. I never, you know, why do we say this prayer? What are we doing? I right. have no idea. And we never practiced, but she always had them. And then, um, on the, well, this is actually, more or less kind of personal but my mom's best friend i think the day she died sent me a, an image of mary oh yeah holding jesus and under it it said the love of a mother is eternal yep and for me in that time it was about my mom and it was like it meant the world so i actually ended up getting it tattooed on my chest yeah um but it wasn't until after i was confirmed and i started to reflect i mean that whole thing led me to like you know my saint and all these kind of weird things that played itself out that I look back and it literally is kind of like a joke but I just felt like God just kept it was all I was always surrounded by it and I never really knew and I just kind of like started to commit to these things and now I'm like I'm Catholic and I've got this like you know Mary tattoo on me and I had no idea and random stuff and so I think it was more just like I w- it was natural. And then as I started to learn about it, instead of like challenging it, it just made sense. Yeah. Cause it was always in front of me.
2: Yep. Amen. I love that. I think that's so beautiful. And I love that story about that Holy card.
1: It was, and that line is beautiful. It's man. It was so interesting. Just kind of looking back just every ounce of it, everything. I was like super Catholic without knowing. Yeah. <laughs> I just had no idea.
2: You, you know, I meet people like that every once in a while who say, when they discover the Catholic faith, they just kind of say, It just feels like I've always been this. And I, but I didn't know this was, was what Catholicism was or
1: is. Yeah.
2: And when I discovered that, you know, people sometimes say, This is just what I've always kind of, it just feels right. It's like coming home.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. hundred percent. I know you love that. It, yeah. That's why I left. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, once you kind of put the name on it, it all clicked. And it instantly just like felt so real, which again, I think is why it also is really tough and why I wanted to start the podcast of it's hard for me to explain those feelings, you know, like it's, it's just the heart, like to actually then be like, well, you know, Paul says, and this, and it's like, well, I don't, it was just always kind of there for me in a weird way. So it was more of like, you now complete me as opposed to like, what is the circle? Like, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting to look back on.
2: Yeah, I mean I have so many thoughts on this. The um but I think I think what you just said there is right. Is Mary so I want to help today. There is an intellectual piece Haley that will help. And once you get it, I think it 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 will feel like, "Oh my gosh, how did I not see this before?" Yeah. At the same time, I was talking to another young woman who went through RCIA this past year about this. And even when it makes sense intellectually, coming into the Catholic faith is a little bit like walking into another country. Mm -hmm. And so if you go to a foreign country, you're an alien and you feel that way. And with time, it begins to feel natural, but at first it feels a little strange. And the reason it feels a little strange is that our country now is a dominantly secular place, but it, but it's also a country that was formed largely, not exclusively, but largely by Protestant uh, kind of thought and ethos. And so we've all been raised in a Christianity, myself included. We've been raised in a Christianity that is very individualistic. We've been raised in the, the air we kind of breathe says, this is just about me and Jesus. And one of the things I hope to get to today is that that's not what the scriptures teach. It's not what Christianity has ever believed. Of course, there's a very important element of me and Jesus. That personal relationship with Christ is massively important excuse me, and Jesus is everything. He's the center of all things. The last words Mary ever speaks in the Bible are in reference to Jesus in John chapter two. And the last thing she ever speaks in the Bible, not the last time she appears, but the last time she speaks, she says, do whatever he tells you. And so Mary always leads us to Jesus. He's always going to do that. But I want to start really quick. Something I mentioned on Mother's Day, I didn't preach on Mother's Day, but you know me, I can't get away without a little homilet at the end. Totally. <clears throat> but during the announcements, I mentioned something from Father Garonsky. So Father Garonsky was getting his doctorate in Mandarin Chinese uh, at the University of Hawaii, which we've all been there.
1: You know, I, I remember if that phase gonna, in my life. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to study it, that's not a bad place to spend right? your time.
2: Yeah, so Goronsky was at the <laughs> University of Hawaii studying Mandarin. And uh, he really was, he was fluent in Mandarin. He ended up leaving before he completed his doctorate because he had a crisis of meaning in his life. He ended up getting a doctorate in um, spiritual theology, dogmatic theology. But anyway, one thing Garansky loved to tell us, and I think this is so powerful. He would always say, so studying Mandarin, that there's, there's a certain similarity to hieroglyphics where some of the characters in Mandarin, and I'm, you know, no expert, but Garansky was. Some of the characters in Mandarin Chinese, that they are actually like pictographs. That they actually depict something and that becomes a character. And one of the things Goronsky used to love to talk about was that if you, if the, the word for goodness in Mandarin literally is a, it's like a pictograph, the, the character, and it's a woman holding a child.
3: Whoa. And I love that. I get emotional just thinking. About yeah, that's that. awesome.
2: But Goronsky would love to preach about this and he would talk about how he was things that are truly human. Even before we get to Jesus, there is nothing like the, the love between a
0: mother and her child. That is a mystical thing. It's something that that comes from God. Uh, but I think we would do well today.
2: Today, the way that we speak in our culture is we, we have gotten away from that connection. We have moved towards a woman is only valuable if she can compete with a man Mm-hmm. Both physically, but also in the, the workplace and intellectually.
0: Uh, and not to take away from the good parts of that, but uh, femininity is a unbelievable gift of God. Yeah. It
2: is something that is unique. And that, that gift of motherhood um, is something I would, I would honestly say verges on the mystical.
1: Yeah. I think it, it now means more than ever going through with Gianna. And I was kind of I joke about this, but I'm I'm really not joking at all. There's kind of a jealousy factor with uh, you know, Steph has so right. much obviously with the baby growing, um, and now being when this comes out should be 30 weeks. There was definitely a gap of a few weeks where Steph would be sitting there and just go, Oh, baby kicked. And I can't feel it. Like yep. I I there was a, a definitely about a month ish before you actually start to feel the baby kick on the outside. Um, Otherwise I have no idea what's going on. And to kind of like, just watch this all play out. Like I'm just, there as like, Oh, what's your craving? Like all, oh, you know, last time I ran downstairs and got pickles, chips and <laughs> string cheese. That's awesome. This what <laughs> Steph wanted when we got home. That's awesome. And I was like, yeah, oh, okay, fine. But she's like, Oh, the baby's kicking, moving around and all this stuff. Yep. I'm like, what? Like, there's no denying as hard as I want to try and like fit in. Yeah. It is so mystical. Like it is absolutely amazing to watch. And then to just see this little baby growing, it's you can't, it's, I can't understand how you would, once you start to experience that, how you can ever question that femininity and that connection between a mom and a baby.
2: Yep. Yeah. And so I think this is a great launching point. And so there's, we would do well to, to spend more time in our lives thinking about <clears throat> that mystery of a love of a mother and her son or her daughter. Yeah. And so Jesus, what Christianity is about, Christianity is about the unity of God and man. That's what Christianity is about. It's about the union of God with mankind. Um, and so Jesus, what he does is he enters into things that are human and he does that so that you and I can enter into things that are heavenly and divine. And so Jesus became right in Galatians four, four, St. Paul says, um, uh, in the fullness of time, Paul uses, we've mentioned this before, Paul, Paul has the word there, kairos, which means a sacred time. But in the fullness of time, uh, God sent his son born of a woman, which I don't know if we'll get to that. But that's whenever the New Testament refers to Mary as the woman, which Jesus does twice in John's gospel, in John chapter 2 and John 19. There's a, there's a, it evokes Eve. So in Genesis two, when God creates Eve, right? And Adam says, uh, you know, this is, she'll be called woman for out of uh, her man, this one has come. That's a very intentional thing. And we'll, we'll hopefully get to that in a minute, but it, Jesus comes to enter into what is human. And so in the fullness of time, um, God sent his son born of a woman uh, to redeem those are uh, born under the law to redeem those under the law. Um, so God enters into what is human and humanity is called to enter into what is divine. And so, so a couple of things just to kick us off here. Just one thing really is the, the, our father is a prayer that if you're a Christian, you probably pray a lot. I pray the, our father, I don't know how many times a day, you know, five, six, seven times a day. I don't know, whatever it might be. And we get used to that. And one, a simple point I want to make is that. <clears throat> God only has one child.
0: The father does not have many children. He has one. Jesus is the only begotten son of God. There's only one. Uh, Paul makes a big deal about this in Galatians chapter three,
2: uh, when he's talking about a prophecy that God gives to Abraham and a promise in Genesis 12. But God only has one son. And and so in so many ways, what, what Christianity is about is like, so Jesus enters into our world. But in John chapter one, and let's just flip there so I can quote it more properly.
0: Ooh, almost
2: lost nice my catch. Bible yeah. off the desk. Be memorable. Well,
1: while on. you pull that up, I, right when you said that, it's pretty interesting. I feel like the Our Father
2: uh-huh.
1: is, and now as, you know, in my faith, I say it all the time and it, it has a whole new meaning. But in the secular world, I feel like the Our Father is kind of one of those, um, commonly accepted and like yeah people do it all the time that and i i'm just having deja vu i remember in high school and in college we did the same thing but in high school and i'm i'm trying to think to myself and i i assume they were catholic i don't know of any families i grew up with that were actually practicing catholic i I went to high school with a lot of mormons Mm -hmm. and and a lot of protestants but i don't actually know but we would line up before a football game on Friday night in the locker room, hold hands and say the, our father. Yeah. is that cool? And I learned it just to like fit in. And it was like a camaraderie thing. Yeah. But I feel like it's very, very like out of all the things we do, that's the one that's like, you see it in movies, you see it. Yeah. in in all the above, I, it's interesting when you said that, but this
2: is what, and not to derail too much, but I love that. This is what our culture should, a Catholic culture. If we had that, which we don't, but in the middle ages, people love to poo-poo the, the Catholic middle ages. But, but imagine like our culture right now, you're normal if you listen to music that is purely sexual. Right. If you um, are pressured into all kinds of things of pride and vanity and yep. The yep. pursuit of wealth, what if the common culture created not too much pressure, but gentle pressures like that of like, you know what we kind of have as cultural or societal pressure on is we pray together. Right. Imagine that. We, that's so foreign to us. It's hard for us to imagine. But we actually could create a culture like that. It would take a long time, but that's, I think what we're, we're commissioned to do by God.
1: When I, I find it interesting too, now I'm going to totally derail this. I apologize, but, uh, Sorry,
2: Haley, we're not going to get to your question totally, totally.
1: <laughs> <laughs> someday. Father Brian will send you an email. Uh, <laughs> yeah. the, uh, no, just really quick. Like when, and I'm always just kind of fascinated, but like in Europe where they, they actually fully dedicate their siesta and their lunch break and, and the culture there too. I, when I learned this, this past year, but father's day in Italy, and mm-hmm. I don't know where I maybe elsewhere, but for sure in Italy is celebrated on the feast of St. Joseph. Oh, that's very cool. Uh, isn't that the, Wait, yeah, the March 19th? March 19th yeah. is father's day. That's very cool. Um, and it's just like, when you talk about how cultures are ingrained that way and obviously it's been like that, for a very long time over in Italy, especially. But it it would just be so interesting to truly block. I mean, in America, we are, you have all those things that are like, I don't have time for lunch. I don't have time to say a prayer. I don't have time. Right. I got to get work done. I got to go blah, 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 blah. So to really be intentional about that culturally w- would just be so interesting.
2: Yeah, culture is supposed to guide us in ways that we don't even know are happening. Yeah. And that's both good. And it can be good or bad, depending on where it's actually directing you. Totally. Um. Uh, Okay, but back to John 1.
0: So, uh, so in John 1, um, John's intro is very powerful, but he says this, um,
2: talking about Jesus as the true light. It says, uh, verse 10, he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world knew him not. He came to his own home and his own people received him not. So Jesus is rejected. He comes in the world and those who should accept him first don't, which is still, I would say the case today. So verse 12, but to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. And then this is, we skip over this line. At least I do when people kind of read this, but it says he gave power to become children of God. God only has one son the next line is very instructive. It says,
0: those who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, here's a crazy thing. It took me a while to kind of prayerfully
2: come to this, but if you think about someone who is born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or the will of man, the only person really literally in history who's been that way is Jesus. Right. I mean, maybe Adam and Eve you could say that too. But Jesus was not born of the will of men. It was not, it was not the desires of the flesh. It was not just a choice that Joseph and Mary made. Jesus was born of the Spirit and of God. Uh, and what and so what John 1 teaches us, and, and Haley, I, we're gonna try to get to this, but in the Our Father, we we call God Our Father, mm-hmm. but God only has one son. And so what happens in the Our Father is, is this fulfillment of what Jesus tells us, or what St. John tells us in John chapter 1, which, by the way, is connected to baptism, and John chapter 3, where being born again is brought up, which is about baptism, but that's another topic. But what happens is, being a Christian means that Jesus entered into our world, but it actually means that we enter into him. And so Jesus, we share in his identity. And Paul makes a big deal again about this in Galatians 3. but. We enter into Jesus, we're in Him, we belong to him, we are one body with him, as first Corinthians. Uh, all of chapters uh,
0: I think I want to say ten and eleven are going to talk about that. but we enter into Jesus and so his father becomes our father, and guess what?
2: His mother becomes our mother. His brothers and sisters become our brothers and sisters. we share in his identity and so
0: we come to share in his relationships. Um, and that's just a kickoff to Mary, but I love that.
3: Wow. Yeah.
2: And part of it, and, 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 you know, if you doubt that with Mary, we'll get to that in a second at John 19, Jesus kind of shows us that at the cross, but, uh, that's the only reason we can say the, our father, God has, God has one son. And the only reason I can call God, my father is because I've entered in my baptism, I became a member of Christ. I was baptized into the body of Christ. And so his family becomes my family. His father is my father. He refers to us as his brothers and sisters and to the saints and the members of the church and my fellow Christians. They aren't, that's not just a nice way of being like, Hey, what's up, bro?
3: Yeah. What's up, dude, bro. (laughs) Yeah.
2: But, but quite literally
0: because we have all been baptized into Jesus Christ, we've become a family
3: Um, that interesting stuff. That's awesome. I didn't realize that.
0: It's
2: pretty cool. I like preaching on that a little bit of baptism sometimes, but there's a, there's a start for us. So can we keep moving or what do we do? Yeah. So, so here's, and if you want to understand Mary, there's, there's, there's so many different directions we could go with this. I do think that that kind of kickoff we had with the Mandarin Chinese language and the character for goodness is, is really important here. Yeah. Um, and I think if you really want to understand Mary, you've got, it's got, you've got to have the intellect, but you also have to have the heart. So how do, how do Catholics really understand Mary? So here's a great way to, to help you understand this from a biblical perspective. So Patrick put you on the spot again, but these are easy ones. I've asked you this before. Gosh,
1: even more pressure now,
2: even more pressure. What is Jesus's number one thing he talks about? In his lifetime. Oh, man. What's his favorite topic?
1: Oh. Uh. <laughs> I love watching you squirm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man.
0: So it's not heaven. It's not love. It's not hell. Sometimes people guess money. It's not money. No. Uh, not law. No. The blank of God.
1: Love. <laughs> the love of God. No
2: it's, <laughs> no, it's not the love of God. It's the kingdom. Ah, dang right? it. So uh, so Jesus' number one topic by far is the kingdom of God. By far. And that is what he preaches, period. Uh, in Matthew chapter 13, for instance, Jesus tells seven parables about the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew's gospel, it uses heaven. In the other gospels, it uses God. The reason for that is because Matthew writes to Jews. And out of reverence, Jews don't want to say God. So they substitute heaven as a, a way of kind of referencing God. But it's the same thing, kingdom Got of God. It. So in, in Matthew 13, Jesus tells seven parables about the kingdom of heaven. And then this is kind of how it works. So the very first chapter in the New Testament is obviously Matthew chapter one. And Matt, do you remember what Matthew one is? I'm sorry to, put, to ask these hard no. questions. Okay. Matthew one is a genealogy.
3: Oh, okay. So
2: yep. the so the New Testament. and That's an odd. You know, if you're going to write a book, you know, someday you're going to write that off, the Patrick Devine story. <laughs> that's right. Someday you're going to write that. A really really bad way to start a book would be to trace
1: your genealogy. Right. The son of Zachariah turned right. To the son yeah, of, I mean, it's yeah, it's not
2: exactly like a winning like. Opening hook. they are right. like, "Yep, I'm going to tell that genealogy." We got them in there. It's,
1: it's always at mass whenever that comes around. Once every three years, and it's like, "Oh boy, here we go." Yeah. Like, and I always think to myself, "Mike, can I quiz FB? Can we start at the top and roll through this now?"
2: Right. <laughs> yeah. I, no. Amen. And so, so why would the New Testament do that? Is my point. And for a Jew, it actually is exciting news because it's, for it fulfills it. Yeah, right? exactly. And so the the first thing it started it says, um. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And so the New, the New Testament opens, the very first thing the New Testament wants to tell you is that Jesus is descended from David and Abraham.
0: And here's the thing why? Why does it matter that Jesus is descended from those two? Like, why, why, why don't they choose um, someone else in the genealogy? Why don't, why don't they choose?
2: Um, I don't know, Ruth or, um, Isaac. Why, why David and Abraham? Why does it, why do you think that Matthew highlights think, those two? Names? Isn't
1: it, that's where it, uh, for the, for Jews, it has to, it's fulfilled that way. Correct. Like it, that's the only mm-hmm. way that it will actually be yep. fulfilled.
2: Yeah. So, so Jesus is the Christ. Yeah. And so, so Matthew one, one, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then it, Leads off. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac, the father of Jacob. It's going to go on and on and on and on. And the thing is, is that the Messiah, so the Messiah is a Hebrew word uh, and it's translated into Greek as Christ. So I don't want to be blasphemous here, but I always joke, Christ is not Jesus's last name. You know, I think a lot of Christians think that Jesus went to like Torah school and they're doing like roll call and they're like Christ. Christ, is Christ Jesus here? Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, no, that's not his last name. It's a that that title, Christ, is the Greek translation of the Hebrew word Messiah. It's a title. And what it means, it means literally means anointed one, but what it really means is the king. The Christ is the king who is going to come and restore the kingdom. Yep. And so Jesus' number one topic is the kingdom of God. He talks about that more than anything. And he says, the kingdom of God is here repent and believe in the good news for the kingdom of God is at hand. And Jesus is going to say that over and over again. Well, guess what? If a kingdom's come, it's probably, it has to have a King. Mm -hmm. So Matthew one, the whole start of the new Testament is trying to tell you that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the son of David, the great King who is to restore Israel uh, to the, the kingdom to Israel. So he walks through and, and there's so much material here that we could spend you know so many podcasts on but in verse 17 Matthew kind of sums up he gets to Jesus in verse 16 he says uh Jacob the father of Joseph the husband of Mary of whom Jesus was born who is called Christ but verse 17 is what i really want to drive at so all the generations verse 17 from Abraham to David were 14 generations and from David to the deportation to Babylon 14 generations and from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ 14 generations
0: now, you know, just playing devil's advocate. I could see someone out there being like, is Matthew just kind of like a, like number kind of nerd He's like, Hey man, you know what that was? That was 14.
3: Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, you
0: know yeah. and you know what? And you know, from this section to that section it was 14.
3: Yep.
2: You know, it's like, it almost sounds like the, um, remember on Sesame street, the guy who would count.
1: The count, right? Is it the count? <laughs> yeah, I think Where so. Where
2: he's like, one cookie. Oh, oh, oh. That one, yeah. You know, yeah. is Matthew just doing that? And of course the answer is no. Right. So do you remember why 14 matters? I know, I'm, I, I, don't, we got to change up the question format for you on this because it's like random Bible trivia. Uh,
1: I know we've talked about it before. Um,
2: what is it? Let me hear This might help. So basically, what Matthew says, he says, hey, did you notice there's three 14s?
0: 14, 14, 14. What do we do that we do three times? What are things we say three times as Catholics? During Mass? Yeah, there's one of them. That's the most prominent one. What do the angels sing? What do you sing right before you kneel at Mass?
3: Now I'm on the spot here. Now I'm nervous. Um,
0: Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are
2: full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Yep. Well, how do we start that? Dang it! I know this is so like you brain freeze. Start freezing. me in
1: the middle. This is just making me look so bad. That's
2: okay. I but quit. Brain freeze. Don't ever talk to me. Um, yeah. But it's it's the holy, holy, holy. Oh, yes. Right? Okay. So the the reason for that, and this is I'm I'm talking too much on this podcast, so, but what happens is in Hebrew you can't. There's no um, comparative or superlative.
1: It's, it's either best bet ba- like
2: exactly so you can't say father brian's good uh patrick's better ryan's the best yep, yep you can't say that the way you say it is you would say father brian's good patrick is
1: good 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 and, and ryan is good good good
2: which is why the angels in isaiah 6 and in revelation i always forget which chapter revelation but the angels in heaven cry out holy 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 and that's why we say that at mass is there, it's the ultimate, it's the superlative, the holiest is
1: what they're saying. Got it.
2: And that's how you say that in Hebrew. So Matthew starts his genealogy with three 14s. And the reason for that is because the, um, names in, uh, in the ancient world have numeric value. So letters have, have numbers that are associated with them. And if you add up the number in David's name, if you add up the three letters, if you add up DVD, they didn't have vowels in Hebrew. But if you add up the um, the new numbers associated with David's name the the number that David's name represents is fourteen Indian is fourteen and so it, the New Testament starts this is such a big deal the New Testament starts and the New Testament's main opening line is Jesus is the ultimate David he is the ultimate king he is the Messiah he is the Christ and that's how it starts and then here's where I got you on Mary so what happens is in the Jewish kingdom, whenever you have a new King, who is his queen,
3: his mother, his mother.
2: And so if you go back and you read through first and second Kings or first and second Chronicles, it starts with Bathsheba Bathsheba, right? David marries Bathsheba and they have Solomon and Solomon's queen is not one of his wives. It's his mother. Mm. And so the, so if you go through those books of, uh, the two books of Kings and the two books of Chronicles. What it does is it will list all the Kings of Israel. And after the the kingdom is split in half, it will name the Kings of the Northern kingdom and the Kings of the Southern kingdom. And not every time, but almost every time when a new King is named, it'll say King Asa, you know, like, um, here, let me give you an example. I have one marked here. So second Chronicles 15, uh, it says, even Makkah, his mother, King Asa removed from being Queen Mother because she had made an abominable image for Asherah. Right? So, what, what that's doing right there is, is the king removes his mother from the office, the office of Queen Mother. So, to start off with, it, why do Catholics venerate Mary? And this is almost the surface level, and then I want to move a little deeper. But just to start, Jesus is um, the whole point of the New Testament in some ways, is that Jesus is the Messiah. Yep. He is the great king of the world, the king who would to redeem Israel. And if you're a Jew and you're waiting for the kingdom of God to be reinstated and for God to show up and do that, and the Messiah who will be the instrument of that, every Jew for us, we're like, we don't think of it this way because we're not Jews. But Jews in Jesus' day, everyone would know that if the Messiah comes, his queen would be his mother. His mother.
1: Oh, crazy. I didn't know that. Isn't that cool? Yeah.
2: and. This helped, um, this helped one of our, our CIA folks. The primary job of the queen mother, and the, the Hebrew for this is a gibera, the, the role of the gibera is to intercede before the king for the
0: people.
3: Interesting.
0: That's what the queen mother does. Is She intercedes in front of the king for the people. That is what our
2: mother does. Yeah. Is that she... And, and that doesn't mean, right. That the natural question someone might have at this point is, well, can I just go to Jesus? Doesn't he love me? Doesn't he? And the new Testament talks about how Jesus intercedes for us before the father, which is true. Yeah. But Catholics don't think of it as either or it's a God. God is not jealous of other people. He has no
0: jealousies. Right.
2: Right. There's a, there's a great hill song that, uh, song that, uh, Emily Carey sings at mass. Sometimes it's called uh, what a beautiful name. Yep. And there's this great line I love in that song that says, it's talking about Jesus. And it says, you have no rival. You have no equal. Um, Jesus is not jealous of anyone. There is yeah. no, he's God. There is no, his only equal is God, the father and the Holy spirit. That's it. Right. So Mary's not equal to him. Okay. It's slow
1: down right there though. Cause I feel like that was such a huge mic drop that went pretty quick. Like when you say yeah. that she intercedes. Yep. Where are you going with that? Like, I want to kind of dive into that because go ahead.
2: Well, this is what we mean when we pray. So so if if you're coming from a Protestant background, the word prayer, this is a huge breakdown between Catholics and Protestants where they have a hard time understanding each other. So Catholics, when we say we pray to Mary, if you're from a Protestant background or culture, that word pray usually has very, very heavy connotations for Protestants of it meaning the same thing as worship. Yep. So when a Catholic says we don't worship Mary, we just pray to her, that sounds
1: like a contradiction. That's right, and and it also this also falls on this is why I really want to kind of dive into too is it falls in line when we say we pray to any saint. Like if you can wrap your head around Mary, you now can wrap your head around yep. any of the other saints as well. Like when we say I pray to, you know, I, we end most meetings where you know, Our Lady of Lords, pray for us, yep. Saint George, pray for whatever it is. Yep. Um, but it is that intercession.
2: Yeah. And that's what we're asking Mary to do for us. And so, you know, another example I use in our CIA is, you know, people say, well, Jesus is all powerful. He loves me. He's God. Mary's not, which is all true. Why would I ever ask Mary to pray for me? That doesn't make any sense.
1: And they, this, this right sure. here was the ultimate, whenever somebody asked me, it's like, I can't dive into all this, you know, 14 plus 14 plus 14 or holy, holy, holy. This, what you're about to say, I think changed my whole perspective on. This is critical. It is. It's
2: a really important thing, way to look at it. So I always use my brother here, Sean Larkin. Love you, brother. love my other brother, Trent. Um, but Sean's kids are older. So Claire Jane is 15, which blows my freaking mind. Yeah. Um, but so my brother, right? So imagine, so his oldest is Claire Jane. He has two boys in the middle, um, Joe and John. And then he has Lucia, the little pistol at the end of the line. <laughs> and I love all four of those kids. Um, mm. But imagine Lucia, she's the shortest of the bunch right now. And if Lucia, if, if the whole family's in the kitchen and the cereal box is above
0: the refrigerator and Lucia says, Clara Jane, give me the cereal box. Will you help me get that cereal box, Clara Jane? Um, my brother isn't jealous. Right. Right. My brother,
2: when, when my brother's kids ask each other for help, what is not happening inside of my brother, Sean, he's not sitting there going, what the hell? I'm way, I'm way taller than Claire Jane. What are you asking her for? Yeah. I'm way taller than she is. Oh, and by the way, I paid for that cereal box. That's right. Your mother and I, we paid for everything in this house. You're asking Claire Jane? No. You know what my brother does? My brother's heart is filled with joy that his daughters love each other. Yes. And this is the Catholic perspective. The Protestant ethos is that if we are close with saints or Mary, it takes away from our relationship with God, that there's a competition between our relationship with the saints and our our relationship with God. That is a lie. Yeah. And I just, I fully will just tell you that there are, of course there are people who abuse us. Are there people who worship Mary? Probably and that's not, they shouldn't do that. But Catholics, the, the Catholic church doesn't, I don't worship Mary, but God is not jealous of my relationship with Mary. Yeah. God loves it when his creatures love each other and the love of God overflows. It makes a family, it spills over and God loves, I think God loves our friendship. Yep. God's not like, he's not in heaven going like Brian, seriously? He's spending a little bit of much time with Patrick with me, don't you think? <laughs> yeah. Like I'm way, I'm like way cooler than he is. Why you know? isn't
1: with me? Yeah.
2: God, it's not a competition. God, God is not
1: jealous. And I also, something else you've said before too, and kind of touching on that. And I always find it so interesting because in the Protestant world, like when I was going to Red Rocks, in the back corner, after the service, they up on the wall, it says like prayer corner. And you could go and you could, there's a group of people that sit there and, and you say like, hey, I need prayers right now. I'm going through this, that, or the other. And they all lead prayer. They, you know, surround you and and do a kind of a prayer group. And then also, like, I have a lot of uh, Protestant friends that always reach out and they're like, Hey man, pray for me. I'm going through this. Or, you know, I I need a prayer group and you have a bunch of guys or women or families or whatever, start praying for somebody. And you've put it this way too. Like when we pray to Mary, it's the same thing, but why not, why not use, you know, the queen of the king to, to say, Mary, like pray for us. You're doing the same thing Queen with mother. your friends on Earth, but I think that's where you lose your disconnect. Not your disconnect, but the disconnect of like, yeah, when prayer becomes the same as worship, you then have an issue. But you have no issue saying like, "Hey, man, pray for me. I'm going through a tough time. Yep. I got a big meeting, whatever it is." Yep. Um, I, I would kind of actually just prefer to have you know, hey, Mary, if you could throw one in for me too, think of me, pray for me, intercede yep. for me insert any of the saints who have lived a life that we all aspire to in some sense right? to have them pray for us. I don't know why you, I like, once you start to wrap your head around it, it's like, why wouldn't you?
2: Yeah, no, that's, that's exa- of course. Like, and that's a common thing, right? Like if the saints are in heaven, they're more alive than we are. Right. They're closer to God than we are. They're in perfect union with him. Why can I ask you to pray for me, but I can't ask Mary to. Yeah. That's, so that's one thing. And then what I'd love to jump to, I think this is the deeper level. So the, those are more surface things. You've probably heard that before, many of you at least. But a little bit deeper is this. Whenever I preach on Mary, what I love to tell people is that Mary teaches us what it means to be a Christian. She's the first Christian. Um, she is the, the perfect model of what it means to be a Christian. So we would use in, in theological language, we would say that Mary is the, uh, is the perfect image or the exemplar of the church. So, anything you can say about the, what the church is, you can also say about Mary and Mary. But Mary is there in its perfection. So, couple, there's so much here. This is almost like a double podcast kind of topic. It's almost like you know a five podcast type of topic.
1: Maybe we. I mean, that's also an option. We could do a part one, part. I mean, this is so ad lib right now, but do a part one, part two. Yeah, we could. Um, but, but let's keep going. And see where we're diving. let we'll see how much time
2: we got. The um, we're at we're at ten minutes in now. Yeah. So we've got a little bit of time. We've still got
1: another hour and a half left yeah, on we this got hour and a half.
2: Yeah, the, uh, so Mary, Mary teaches us what it means to be a Christian. So even if you're a Protestant, right, Protestants tend to emphasize that what it means to be a Christian is to have faith, yeah. which we don't disagree with. Of course it does. We think it's a little bit more than that. But faith, faith is one way of, of kind of like saying everything and capturing it in one word to be a person of faith. Yep. So what, is it, what does it mean to have faith? Faith in a certain sense means saying yes to God. Mm-hmm. It means there's something inside of us that says yes. Um, and so Mary for Catholics, and by the way, Orthodox Christians as well. In fact, every church that ha- can legitimately claim that it goes all the way back to the time of the apostles, which aren't very many, this, they're the Orthodox churches in the Catholic church. They're yeah. the only ones. All of them see this the same way. Uh, but anyway, so, so Mary teaches us what it means to be a Christian to really be a Christian means not just, I believe something's true. Faith means I have to surrender my life. It means somehow that Jesus, I love you so much. Father, son, Holy spirit. I love you. Blessed Trinity. And I need to lose my life to gain you. And I need to trust and surrender to you.
0: No one has ever done that the same way that Mary has. So in Luke chapter one, so Luke
2: one twenty six is where Gabriel appears to Mary. So it says in the sixth month, and it's counting from when um, uh, Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist. Right. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. Now there's that line again. Yeah, right. The New Testament likes to bring that up because Jesus is not just a savior; he's the Jewish king. Right. Who had become king of the whole world. And the Virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, hail, full of grace. Now I was talking to, to one girl from RCIA and she was like, I just don't get the hail Mary. And I was like, okay, well, let's, let's just break this down. The first half of the hail Mary is strictly quoting scripture. So we say, we add one word to this. We say hail Mary, full of grace. Mm-hmm. But that, that first phrase, Hail Mary, full of grace, comes from Luke 127.
0: Uh, Or Sorry, this is 28. He came to her and said, Hail, full of grace. The Lord is with you. That's the first
2: half of the Hail Mary. Right. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. that's, that's literally adds
0: one word to Luke 1.28. Uh, so Gabriel says, Hail, full of grace. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly
2: troubled. Now, I don't know if we've talked about this before or not. If Gabriel appeared to you, you might be really troubled. Why would you be troubled if, if an angel appeared to you?
1: I mean, there's so many reasons. I'd be <laughs> freaked out. Like, what right? is happening?
2: Right? I'd be like, okay, I need a new pair of underwear.
1: That's right. Um, <laughs> is this good, bad? <laughs> yeah. What happened? Why well, am I in trouble? Yeah,
2: exactly. Are you here because I did good or did yeah. I did bad? Because I'm pretty sure it's because I did something bad.
1: That's right. Yeah. And it must have been really bad. Right. Yeah.
2: And so I love making this point. Mary's freaked out when Gabriel appears. And if I were Mary, I would be freaked out because holy, you know what, an angel disappeared to me. Yeah. But listen to what, what it says here in Luke 129. It says she was greatly troubled at the saying and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. Yeah. So Mary Mary's not freaked out by the angel at least according to Luke one twenty nine, Mary is disturbed by the way, by what Gabriel said to her. Yeah. And here's why, and this is where it gets a little technical, but Gabriel uses the word when he says, hail full of grace. This is what scripture scholars call a hapax legomenon, which means
1: it's so it's, glad you didn't. Don't you love that?
2: that? That could be our <laughs> If we, if we ever get sued for some reason and get to have to change our podcast name, we could call it that. There it is. hapax legomenon. Yeah. So that, that's Greek. And it just means spoken once. And so this word that Gabriel says to Mary, he says, he says, Kyre, that's spoken many times. That's just the common greeting, hail. Um, "Kakari Tomine. That word, "Kakari Tomine, is only spoken once in all of the New Testament. So it's a hapax legomenon. This is what Mary's troubled by. And the reason for this is, this is a little technical, but Gabriel in the Greek here is using a form of Greek. It's that you only use in really specific situations and he uses what's called a perfect participle in Greek. And what it means is it's uh, you only use this kind of form of a word when you're referring to something that happened in the past that has continuing effects into the present and the future. So for instance, St. Paul will say sometimes he'll use a construction like this to say, Jesus saved us. Yeah. It's something that happened in the past. But it has present effects and into the future, <laughs> right? Reverberations moving forward. So kakari tomine, charis, is a Greek word for grace. So charis is grace, and Gabriel says kikari tomine. And so essentially what this means is hail you who were filled with grace in the past
0: with continuing effects to the present and into the future. I know. Now that's, that's really hard to translate. You, do you feel that for
2: translators? That's... People are translating the Bible and they're like, um, let's go with full of grace.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I also, if this goes back to one of the hundred things, million things in the Bible that you read it. And if you're just picking it up, like without understanding the translations and how it truly is breaking down to understand the effect that that would have on her, like without your knowledge. Yeah. It's how do you know?
2: And I don't think Mary did. I think right. that's why she's freaked out. She's like, what the hell does that mean?
1: Yeah. <laughs> she's like, excuse you, Gabriel. <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> Yeah, I just fight like yeah. put yourself in her shoes and being like, Oh, I'm sorry. What Yeah, What'd you just say?
2: Yeah. And so, so Haley, we're, we're going to need to do a second one of these yeah. Either right away or at some point, but, but here, here's what I wanted to really get to. Here's why Mary matters. Mary teaches you and I, and, and through the heart and the mind, Mary teaches us what it means to be a Christian. So, we do believe as Catholics that Jesus Christ is Mary's savior. We believe that the Church dogmatically teaches that that Mary was saved by the death and resurrection of her son. And you say, well, if she, if she didn't have sin, as Catholics teach, which and by the way, that's Kakari Tomine, full of grace. Grace is the opposite of sin. Yeah. And so, if she has been full of grace, that that excludes sin. sin. Yep. Uh, and so, we do believe that. But but the the simple analogy here is. If, if Patrick falls into a pit, which he does all the time, cause he's kind of clumsy and non-athletic. Yep. I could save him. You, you could save someone from that situation by pulling them out of the pit. But what if Patrick was about to, about to fall into a pit and I pushed him out of the way and kept him from falling in. Yeah. That would he, and, and surely he would have otherwise. That's something analogous to what we believe about Mary. Is it in one special case which we don't have time to get into why God did this, but you kind of touched on it in your email. But but God used what uh, uh, the popes refer to as prevenient, to prevent, prevenient grace. And so God who stands outside of time knows and sees the redemption of Christ on the cross and in the resurrection. And most of, for the rest of us, the rest of the entire human race, he saved us by pulling us out of the pit. Mary, he pushed her out of the way so that there would be a fitting dwelling place for his son. Mm. Now, let me just wrap up with this. This, There's a lot of information today, but here's the heart. I just want to, I just can't get away without talking about this just briefly. What it means to be a Christian is that God comes first. He breaks into our life and the, and faith. If you're, if you're someone from a Protestant background, faith means that I surrender to something beautiful and good and true. No one has done that. Like Mary, no one. And what Mary does is Gabriel speaks to her here in Luke one and Mary asks a question. She says, how can this be? Since I don't have relations, sexual relations with a man. And Gabriel says the Holy spirit will fall upon you. And the most high will overshadow you, which by the way, overshadowing when he says the Holy spirit will overshadow you. That is the exact same language that's used in the old Testament. And I love this same language used for when Moses finishes the tabernacle in Exodus 40 and God's presence falls on the tabernacle and God's presence fills the tent of meeting. Same thing happens when Solomon finishes the temple. They consecrate the temple, and the the Spirit of God falls. The rabbis call it the Shekinah, the glory cloud, and fill the temple with God's presence. In Revelation chapter 12, Mary appears. And here in Luke 1, Gabriel says that the power of the most, the Holy Spirit will fall on you, And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Mary is the new Ark of the Covenant. She is the new dwelling place of God. She is the place the Holy Spirit falls and His presence is there. This is what it means to be a Christian. Paul will talk about this. Is that to be a Christian means you say yes to God, you surrender to Him. And you're purified. And God comes to dwell within you. To be a Christian is not just to believe something, it's for God to come to dwell inside of you. Uh, so uh, um, yeah, Galatians 2.20, same very famous passage. Paul says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Guess who the first person ever to live and to, to have Christ dwell inside of them was? It was Mary. Yeah. And gosh, there's so much here. I'm going to try to wrap this up, but at Pentecost, Pentecost is, is, is when this comes out, it should be this Sunday. Pentecost, because what happens the Holy spirit falls on the church and transforms it. And this, and God comes to dwell inside the church. When we go to uh, the Eucharist in our church, we have the Holy spirit is over the altar because what happens is the Holy spirit falls on the elements of bread and wine and transforms them into the body and blood of Christ. When the Holy spirit fell on Mary, Christ was formed inside of her. And so Mary, Mary is the perfect image of the church. And if we do another one, we'll talk about Ephesians where Paul talks about a lot of the things that people think so are so weird that Catholics believe about Mary. Paul says that that will
0: happen someday for all Christians. Um, okay. Gosh, where do
2: we go I, with that? No, you know, I,
1: I'm going to propose we, we do a, a Mary series. Part okay. two next time is we continue this because there's so much. You know, there are so many specific questions. I just remember going through say with you around all things, Mary. And there's yep. still so much that hasn't been touched. Like we, I propose we do another one.
2: Let's do another one. And so, so final thought for today, then maybe. Yeah. Is I just want, if you're out there, M- Mary shouldn't just be like, oh, we can prove this point. Well, she was immaculate conceived. Well, she was assumed Correct. into heaven. Yes. Blah, blah, blah. Like, yes, all that is true, but we're missing the point if we don't see the way this all holds together which is Mary shows us what the church is. Yep. And, and, and by extension, that means it shows us what we are supposed to be as Christians is that we are supposed to be the people who God breaks into our life. And from a deep, deep faith and hope and love in the heart, we say yes. And Mary says, she says to Gabriel, let it be done unto me according to your word. Isn't that everything it means to be a Christian? Right. Lord Jesus, let it be done unto me according to your word, right? Yes. And Mary, because of that, is able to go all
0: the way to the cross.
1: Yeah. Which, again, this is where it's like this. Why I would love to do a part two on this because putting yourself in the 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 journey, it's one thing to say she says yes this is how you live your life, but to like, actually understand what then happens to going out in public. Yep. And Joseph has to then accept it. Yep. And say, what do you mean you're pregnant?
0: And
2: by with who? Yeah, Explain yeah. this
1: to me. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's a very lonely road Yep. when you yep. talk about faith and what Mary then has to endure and same with Joseph and all the way the rest of her life yep. and everything that she does. It's a serious, you know, and if, Mary, if she's selfish, if she's not really going in for this one, like head over heels into it.
2: Oh yeah, and Mary, by the way, like, yeah, her yes was costly. That's right. Right. Very
1: dangerous. It, it,
2: it was costly. Yeah. And if we're going to be real Christians, our yes has to be costly. That's right. And so Mary, by the way, she's not just the example, exemplar, yeah, exemplar. She's not just the model. Yeah. But, but what God is doing, God, the church is the communion of those who have surrendered to God and the Holy Spirit has made Christ present inside of them. And I just, I, I know I've already gone too long, but just one last thing in Revelation 12, Mary shows up. And if we do another one, maybe we'll talk about this more.
1: No, when we do another one, when we do next one. week, next we'll do week, this, we'll do part two. One. I think we have to do a one and a two,
2: one and two. So then in, at the end of revelation 12, Mary has appeared. We'll explain that because it quotes Psalm two. And it really clearly explains that this, it is also the church, but it is, it is Mary. But in verse at the end of chapter 12 of revelation, verse 17, the dragon, this is Satan was angry with the woman. There's that word again. The woman Mary is the new Eve. And then we'll talk about that. But he went off to wait, make, and I love this, to make war on the rest of her offspring. Now, the Catholic Church believes that Mary was a perpetual virgin. Yeah. And we could talk about that dogma too, why we think that. Uh, but here it's like, well, it says her other offspring. Aren't you contradicting yourself? Well, listen to the rest of the verse. Uh, the dragon was angry with the woman, went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and bear testimony to Jesus. This woman in revelation 12 is the mother of all of those who keep the commandments of God and bear testimony to Jesus. And in John 19, same author, right? Book of revelation written by John in John chapter 19, Jesus calls Mary woman, right? And he says, he says to her, he says, woman, behold your son to the beloved disciple. And in John's gospel, you have figures that are real people, but they're also symbolic. And so John's gospel, there's a beloved disciple. If you want to be a beloved disciple, John says, you have to be like me. You have to lay your head on Christ at the last, and his chest on the Last Supper. You have to be one who believes in the resurrection. And in John 19, right, Jesus says, woman, behold your son's son, behold your, your mother. mother. Yeah. If you want to be a beloved disciple, Revelation 12 and John 19 teach us, that we have a mother. Right. And Christianity is not just me and Jesus. What, what God is doing is he's building a family. Yep. And, and the centerpiece of that family is Jesus Christ. He is the founder of the new human race, as Romans 5 will teach us. But the new human race is not a bunch of isolated individuals who each have a relationship with Jesus. That is not the new human race. That is not the church. The church is the family of God with Jesus at its center but with a deep communion that runs through the entire
0: family of God. And I'm fired up. I love this stuff. And I love my mother, both of them.
1: Okay. Part two. We'll have to do that. I think we do that next week. Part two. Yeah. And we're done. And, And we're out. And we're done. No, seriously, again, that, uh, all we have, especially this week, for some reason, we had so many amazing emails come in. Yeah. Rant at lordsdenver.org. And just amazing questions, feedback, and just thoughtful emails. So thank you everyone. Uh, Listen to us, subscribe, leave a comment, like us. Thanks to Ryan for all the hard work behind the scenes on this. I have no idea what he goes home and does to put this all together, but
2: When you get married, your life is going to change and you're going to, you're not going to be allowed to do this anymore.
1: (laughs) All (laughs) of this evaporates. (laughs) We're going to go back to just our standard initial podcast we're bouncing back from ear to ear and doing all the good stuff we did.
2: So he gets married on August 27th, Uh, August 28th. If we black out and there's no more episodes, you'll know why. That's right. Okay. Yep. All right. Peace, everybody. We'll see you next time.